to Into the West, a Middle-Earth SBG podcast where we discuss and break down the competitive side of the game. I'm Charles, and with me today are Richard, Ian, and Alexander. Today, the profile we will be focusing on will be Gothmog, Lieutenant of Sauron. Now, each of us has prepared a list uh, in advance, and we'll be discussing the strengths and weaknesses of this profile and sharing how we incorporated him into our lists. In our open topic today, we'll be discussing the underrated heroes of the game. Each of us have selected three heroes that we think are underrated in this game, and we'll be discussing their role in an army, and also reasons for why they may be overshadowed in this game. Alright, so let's dive right into our first segment, Gothmog, Lieutenant of Sauron. The age of men is over. So Gothmog is an orc hero from the Mordor army that we see in the movie leading the attack on Minas Tirith. And he is in the Mordor army list, a hero of valor at 130 points. His basic stat line is a fight value of 5, strength 4, defense 6, 3 attacks, 3 wounds, and courage of 5, with 3 might, 3 will, and 1 fate. It's a solid stat line. In Mordor, we don't see very many heroes that are sort of like a beat stick sort of stat line other than Shagrat, I think, and Troll Chieftain. I think he's the only one with three attacks and three wounds. And I think having a beefy hero is, um, if you need one, he's one of the top choices. Um, Yeah. Well, also, you know, I guess before, before, you know, the whole Azog and Bolg fight seven fiasco thing, you know, he was the big beat stick orc hero that that evil had, so there's something to be said he's about al- that. He's also a mounted option, which Mordor doesn't have a ton of, especially in the way of named heroes. You can mount the, the ring wraiths, but now I find obviously they're mostly spellcasters, so they don't have the same role. He's also only one fate, which I find makes you really have to pick your moments with him, because if he gets surrounded, he can get in trouble pretty quickly. He can take a shield for defense seven, right? I think I think so. Yes, he can. Yes, his uh, his two war gear options are a warg for ten points and a shield for five points. So that's yeah, I mean shield to defense seven. That's mm. that's good enough. You know, that's that's the sweet really sweet spot you want to hit with your heroes and well maybe your leader I guess if he's if he's going to be the leader of your army. That's not too yeah. bad, I would say. And I would say um, his courage five is pretty underrated. Um, not many orcs are that brave. I mean, I don't think that's really accurately portrayed with uh, how he was in the movie, but um, <laughs> pretty nice to have. And also, Hero of Valor, I think, is probably a really big thing, leading 15 troops. And also, within February 2020 FAQ, you need it to kind of ally with convenient allies. And so he's one of the few Valor options in the mortar list. One of the few that's not like a named ring wraith uh, that you can take. So would you guys say that you would always take a warg and a shield, or would there be situations where you would not take both? I think I think I would just always go warg and a shield. I, I think 10 points for a mount for almost all fighting heroes, bruiser heroes, I think I think you always go with the uh, mounted option. And then shield, to me, also that's kind of a no-brainer. Five points for an extra defense. 
I'm just going to echo what Richard said really is I really never see a situation where I have a list and I ever think about not giving Gothmog his full kit, making him defense seven so that he's being wounded only on sixes against strength four is completely invaluable. And obviously being able to mount a combat hero is of course very valuable. The ability to knock down on the charge, especially considering his three attacks, he gets four on the charge eight. If you knock them down, he's going to do quite a bit of damage. One thing I was going to mention uh, before going into his special rules is um, his special rules are a lot better when he has that extra movement from the warg, just because um, they are like area of effects. So just going over the rest of his profile, his three heroic actions are march, strike, and defense. And he has three special rules. He has master of battle, which uh, gives you an ability to call a heroic action that your opponent's hero within six inches calls. So going back to the warg, uh, being on that warg means that you could be where you want in the fight and um, you can more easily maneuver around to get in range of that enemy hero. And uh, his two other special rules are quite thematic. The first one is the Age of Men is over. Gothmog and all friendly mortal orcs within three inches of him gain the Hatred of Man special rule, which means they get the plus one to wound. Um, second one being the Time of the Orc. Uh, it's an ability that you can call once per game. At the start of any fight, Gothmog can call and use this ability. All friendly mortal orc models within 12 inches of Gothmog that turn may reroll fail to wound. So, um, yeah, just getting your thoughts from you guys about his heroic actions and the special rules that it just went over. I mean, the heroic actions he has, that is that is the trifecta that you want in any hero, right? March, strike, defense, you can... Those are all the ones that you really, really want, so that's perfect, that's awesome. Um, and then going on to the Master of Battle, just to clarify, there's no four-up roll for anything. I'm used to, to playing against Dane, I guess. <laughs> that's and only for Dane. captains yeah. and stuff. So it's just there's a heroic action in there. He's just like, no, I'm doing the same thing, which is it's so handy and it's so annoying to play against. Like you either have to accept that he's gonna get that action or you have to play around it. Playing around it can be done, but also then your opponent is like putting in a lot of effort to do that and you're forcing them to change their playstyle. So either way, I think you win with that rule. I find it especially useful in situations where perhaps your opponent thinks that he's in a vulnerable spot and he wants to call her off move and you don't even have to even think about spending that might point. If Gothmog is within six inches, he's, you know, obviously just the amount of battlefield control that that allows you to have. And again, on the warg, the range of movement, the ability to force your opponent sometimes if he doesn't want you in range, he has to move away. And then if you're on the warg, you're either going to keep up with him or get yourself even closer. And he's having to essentially play around you. And that can be really valuable to throwing your opponent off his game. Yeah, I would say the heroic actions, like Ian brought up, this is the Holy Trinity. And the heroic defense especially is one of my favorites. It kind of nullifies the one fate. So in smaller games, I think you're not that scared to have him as your leader. And the Age of Men is over, gives the Hatred of Man special rule to surrounding orcs. I think it's conditional, so it's not it's not really a game-breaking rule. I think it's kind of like a cherry on top, but the time of the orc has come is probably one of the better special rules. 
And personally, this is something that I like to call in the first turn of combat or one of the first turns of combat where the lines have clashed and most of your orcs are in combat and before they start dropping and get a lot of uh, first kills in that. Actually, really, really funny just because, Richard, you're the one that kind of changed my mentality around that. When the new edition first came out, especially when the Legion came out, the idea of that battlefield-wide time of the orc special rule was always something that I wanted to call as kind of a final blow situation in order to kind of finish off the opponent. But yeah, I have to agree. Being able to get in, get the majority of your army in, and then call that, that can be really dangerous, especially when you're getting those traps and you're getting your opponent outnumbered, you're getting your big heroes into combat. If you call heroic combats in the same turn, I've seen it wipe third of an opponent's army in one turn it's just it's horrific yeah i mean essentially it's just maximizing the value getting as many orcs as possible because i mean 12 inches from gothmog on either side is most likely going to be your full battle line anyway you don't really want to get into the trap and i know alex you've kind of done this like when the when we first started playing like with this edition with these rules is like I think Richard's right. You want to activate it at the start because if you don't, you're going to be sitting there just waiting for that turn where you can get it off and maximize it and maximize it. And then, you know, you're going to get towards the end game and you're going to go, well, you know, damn, half my orcs are dead. There's no way I can maximize this now. So I think, yeah, just get it early in first or second turn of combat whenever you can get your full line in and, you know, maximize that. And, you know, here you go, Richard, maximize your tempo. (laughs) It's it's important to note that it's all Mordor orcs, so include your heroes. Now, in Mordor, especially if you take the army of Gothmog Legion, you have some pretty hard-hitting ones, like Goroth, Strength 5, Furley, and Guritz, who is Strength 5, and he can go two-handed piercing strike. And Gothmog, right, he's charging in on a warg. With all three of them re-rolling to wound in the same turn, it can guarantee hero combats, and maybe you just kill an extra four or five models that first turn you charge in and i think that could win you the game you know if depending on what those combats are in terms of the age of men is over i do agree that it's it's more conditional but maybe not as much as like the wild men of dunland's hatred of rohan because you know there are a lot of men armies if you think about it good and evil so it's possible where if you're bringing this army to a tournament that half your games, you might get that plus one to wound. Um, three inches might not seem like a lot, but we'll go over the Legion, but that range is expanded in the Legion. And uh, I think it does make a difference overall in the course of a tournament. Well, I think the, the biggest thing of that is that it conditionally, but basically the way I like to think about it is just Gothmog gets a lance against men. <laughs> Yeah. And then, you know, the orcs around him get a little bit of a buff, which is nice, but it, I think the bigger thing is it, it expands his killing potential tremendously against, like, man armies, which can be super helpful if you're going up against, you know, Minas Tirith with, like, defense 7 spam or, you know, anything like that. Or if he's trying to fight heroes, yeah, super helpful. Typically, defense 7 spam wouldn't be scared of his strength 4. Yeah. Okay, so I think we've covered every part of his profile. Let's go over some of let's go over the rating that we would give Gothmog out of ten. Zero being completely useless hero and ten being one that you would take in every army. 
Now, I think he's very good. I like him a lot. I take him, especially up in the 700, 800 point range, I'll take him in quite a large number of my lists. But I think one thing to consider is that depth of Mordor's selection of heroes makes it so that he's not really a must-take. His special rules, his hero of valor, it does work very well with kind of Mordor's main concept, which is high troop count, lots of orc warriors. So I'd say probably I give him an eight and a half because he is very strong. Of course, there are other heroes. It depends on what you want to do. And with the wide range of selections, sometimes you really, he's not a must take, but he's always a strong option. I wanted to mention one thing with the profile that I didn't before. Uh, there's also uh, Gothmog's Enforcer, who is not a war gear option, but he's kind of like an add on, a little bit like Grima, Wormtum, and Saruman. What are your guys' thoughts on the Enforcer? I think we kind of discussed this uh, before the podcast a little bit, but I personally just don't think he's worth it because he kind of has roughly captain's stats and his special rules essentially is that Gothmog can use his will to call heroic moves. And so there's a few issues with that. First of all, it's only heroic moves, so no other heroic actions can be called. The second issue is the range of that, I believe, which is three inches from Gothmog. Correct me if I'm wrong, Alex. Mm -hmm. Um, It is. Yeah, so that is quite a short distance. And so you basically have to keep them side by side, which really limits your uh, maneuverability. And then also another big part of the weakness of the Enforcer profile is that he only has one might to himself. Personally, I don't really see that as a viable option competitively. No, I've used it in a few play tests, but I find that the Enforcer really, for 60 points, especially when I always have Gothmog on a warg where he is moving 10 inches, so he is moving 4 inches faster every turn, potentially, than his Enforcer. The special rule becomes more difficult to put into play, especially since the range is so small. And really, there's just, in a Mordor list, there's a lot of better ways to spend 60 points. tried using the Enforcer once before, and it just seems like Gothmog isn't usually the hero that I call heroic moves with. Usually I would have Guritz or Goroth call. Yeah, just, I, I usually would use Gothmog to call uh, other heroic actions. So it's it's it didn't really impress me when I used it. That's a good point, actually, because with Gothmog's Master of Battles, you actually don't want to be the one calling the heroic move first. Because if you say, let's call it with Garitz or another Mordor hero, and then the opposing player would likely counter. And then if Gothmog is within range, he gets the free Master of Battles, so you kind of have two going on at the same time. Whereas if you just call the heroic move with Gothmog, you kind of lose out on the potential of the Master of Battle because you can't take it back. Yeah. I I think what it comes down to for me with his profile is just I, I would rather have another three might hero from the Mordor list. Just because you get the more more variability with what you can do with the might points. And also, you know, if you're going up against an evil army with the Ring Wraith, Gothmog's Enforcer is one sap well away from not doing a whole lot, right? I, I do really like the idea of the profile, though, like a little like a buffing hero, 
and then like the small range, you know, means you have to like play it well and maneuver him well. But just because it's only moves, I just yeah, I don't think it's worth it. If it was all heroic actions, I think it'd be great. Yeah, I agree really with handy. that. But yeah, his profile reminds yeah. reminds me a little bit of the Herald of the Dead and um, how he buffs the King of the Dead. Yeah, I mean Herald of the Dead. I, I think he's more worth it for the resistance to magic than anything else. But that's like me. That's yeah, that's true. So yeah, having said that, I think my rating for Gothmog would be at eight out of ten. I think uh, he's got a solid profile, great heroics, and um, Master of Battle is a really useful special rule. Um, and he can fight pretty well. I think the issue is um, you're committing a lot of points into one hero, and two of his special rules only orcs can benefit from. And even though you're playing Mordor and you might have a lot of orcs in your army it still kind of limits you to how you build your army and you kind of have to build your army around him. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. I find, like when we were building army lists for today, I, I just found myself, you know, I was like, okay, I got to maximize orcs. I can't take like, can't really take anything but orcs just to try and maximize, get the most out of his rule. And then now with the Legion that like, is his name like his namesake uh, i think in a normal mordor list just because the legion exists i'd probably say he's like a seven because there's so many other options in the mordor list that can do the same things that he can do but you know like a little bit better they can fight a little bit better or they're like more maneuverable that being said master battle is still very good yeah and then in the legion i'd say eight Eight and a half around I mean, there. you have yeah. to take him. <laughs> you have to take him. So in terms of like having to take him, in terms of how good so he's he is, a ten. Like eight and a half. Yeah. Well, I guess. Yeah, I guess he's a ten. <laughs> By he's default. the best in that legion. He's the best at what he does in that legion. You are correct, sir. Um, he's a big so, bitch to small pond. <laughs> so I would say seven as well. Because I like the profile, but after you kid him out at 145 points... I just find him a tad pricey for the Mordor list because there's so many great value heroes in Mordor that I never end up taking him really when I'm building a competitive tournament list. I think in many other lists, I would be taking him and he would probably go up a rating or two. But I think just purely because he's in Mordor, I would give him a seven. Yeah, all right. that's fair. That's fair enough. Okay, so now we're going to move on to our army lists. Uh, each of us have made a army list in advance, and we are going to present them and give our feedback, give our thoughts on the list. And uh, what we do is we assign a rating for each list based on the heroic tiers from the rules. So one being independent hero, a two out of five is a minor hero, three out of five is hero fortitude, Four out of five is Hero Valor, and five out of five is Hero Legend. So the first list that we have here is a pure Mordor list at 500 points. The second list is a 500 points Mordor Alliance. The third list will be a 800 points Mordor Alliance. And the fourth list is... 800 point Mordor list based on the Legion, the army of Gothmog. So going to the first list, which was written by Ian, why don't you give us a breakdown of what's in your list and what your main strategy and battle plan is behind this list? Okay, so 
I did a pure Mordor list, which is kind of against what I usually do. For, you know, Mordor is a combat list. They don't really have a lot of bows, and so you don't really have a lot of ways to like draw the enemy towards you, besides like, well, I guess a catapult. But you know, you're not really going to take bows in this list that much. So anyway, and like I said, I don't play this list a lot, but I play it against it a lot. So I had a few ideas going into this. My first you don't one play I, this ever. <laughs> no, maybe like once a long time ago. I don't know. Alex will have to help me with that one if he can remember. Anyway, so my my first idea was Gothmog, Shagrat, and Cardouche at 500 because I really like the idea of the two hitters getting in there and really like doing some damage. But the points just didn't work out. I ended up with like 18 models or less than that, and that's just yeah, that's not enough. But I think that could work at like 600 points. Anyway, so I went with a bit of a different route, and then I also tried to keep it towards stuff that you can't get in the Legion, just to try and like highlight the Mordor list itself and how it can work with Gothmog. That's a good idea. Um, so, right. So I started off with Gothmog with a Worgen shield, and he has four Moran and Orcs with a shield, five Moran and Orcs with a spear and shield, one Moran and Orc with shield, spear, and banner, and one Morgul Knight. The second warband is Kardush, and he has three Moran and Orcs with shield, three Moran and Orcs with spear and shield. And the third warband is a budget wraith with two, seven, one, might, will, and fate, and three Moran and orcs with shield and spear, and three normal orcs with shield. So for the budget wraith, I, I'm not sure what the ideal setup is. I think this is the one I've heard tossed around online, so that's kind of what I went with. He's more in there for a bit of disposable might and the heroic march, so I think it's okay he only has the one fate. I, more will would be nice. But my basic idea with him is, with his magic at least, is if I can get a cheeky compel off against an enemy banner bearer and get him away from enemy units and then fireball him with Cardouche, I think that'll give me a big like advantage when fighting starts. So as long as he can do something like that, I think the will is good enough. And once he gets we get into combat, it's just, you know, he's got the might for heroic moves. If he's around at the end of the game, that's awesome. You know, I can use him for a stand fast and he can debuff the opponent, but it's not a huge deal if he disappears or poofs. I guess he's also fight 5 too, which you know, if I need to add a fight 5 character in somewhere in a combat, that could be handy. Cardouche is, you know, he's he's pretty awesome. Green Dragon did a podcast on like talking about Mordor and stuff and yeah, I don't really see a reason why you wouldn't take Cardouche over a shaman unless you really want to mount it, but eh. Other than that, yeah, I just tried to get as many uh, orcs in there as I could. Oh, yeah, so I ended up with 26 models and 6 might, which I think is good for 500 points. Going back to the maximizing orcs thing, there's a reason I have one Morgul Knight in there, and I did play around with putting in some Warg Riders, but it kind of came down to I don't really need them for hitting power because I have Gothmog's bubble and I have a whole bunch of orcs in there that are strength 4. I would rather have something that has higher courage that I can use to throw onto objectives. Plus, you know, having another fight for a model if I don't need him for objectives is nice because this is a pretty low fight army. So, yeah. And I also think they're really good value. I was looking at their points and like, what are they, 18 points? Yeah, that's crazy compared yeah. to like a Dol Amroth Knight. That's crazy. They're so good. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's the list. What do you guys think? I was, I was just about to ask you why you had the one Morgul Knight in there. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of a war grinder, it just it looks a little strange when you first read the list. I think. Well, I think yeah. It's a... it also because don't doesn't Mordor get a plus one to courage if they outnumber? Is that, that what it is? And reroll once. Yeah. So mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, he goes up to Kurt's five if, if I have the outnumber, and I think I can do that if I hit hard enough at the start. So I think he should be, like I said, really good for grabbing objectives if I need him to. Yeah, especially with the Harbinger of Evil, Morgul Knight does come with terror, so it'd be a little bit harder for enemies to charge him. Mm. Let's say if he was like grabbing an, an artifact or something. I don't have much criticism for this list. I mean, I like your hero choices. I think your numbers are pretty good at 26. And uh, you've got a lot of defense 6. You've got a solid amount of might. And you've got two casters. You know, for me, this is a pretty well-rounded list. Um, I think maybe you could go for a second mounted model. But at 500 points, I, th- you know, I think 1 and Gothmog being mounted, I think that's enough. So I think this mm-hmm. is a hero legend for me. Nice. <laughs> I really have fallen in love with Cardouche. He's just amazing. And especially <laughs> that that trick that you highlighted. Oh, it's so dirty, but so good. <laughs> oh, hey. It's, yeah, it's, it's won me a couple games for sure. So I like this list overall. I like how you brought the extra Morgul Knight, like you said. I think the only thing that I kind of saw as funny is having the normal orcs under the budget wraiths warband rather than Kardush, because Kardush, you would want to be assuming orcs for the will. And like most of the time, your army is going to be together, but in the off chance that the warbands are separated, you don't want to be consuming a Moran and orc just because they're much more expensive. So I would maybe even throw in a couple trackers in Cardush's warband. What that does is give you a couple bows, which you love. Um, honesty bows, gotta have them. Honesty bows, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and the fact that it might actually boost up your numbers a little bit as well, so you have a better chance of getting that. Uh, mortar bonus right off the bat overall i think i really like it um i would say valor i'm weary about trackers just because i've you know, i play elves a lot so every time somebody comes up with trackers i'm like yes willing on fours let's go <laughs> love it <laughs> so i'm very weary about taking them but yeah there definitely is I, i'm gonna have to set up on the center line or as close as i can get and just march at the enemy which i don't love about the army so yeah that's that is fair so honestly those would might be a good addition but i didn't really want to drop the defense if you don't want the trackers, I guess you could also take a few orcs with no war gear, just as fuel for Kardush. There mm-hmm. is also five points apiece. But yeah, going back to the warband thing, I have no idea why I didn't put the normal orcs with Kardush. I think it was just, I just kind of filled out the ring race warband last, and I was like, oh, I got enough points for three orcs, I'll put them there. Yeah, so. When you play Mordor, you have to think a little bit differently, because a tracker is only five points. Losing one tracker is like losing half an elf. That's true. It's not, it doesn't hurt That's as true. much. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, losing a tracker is like an elf getting injured. He's not <laughs> even taking a wound. He's just like, oh, that was uncomfortable and a minor setback. It's only a flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> just but a flesh wound come back and bite your kneecaps off. So I like the list. Obviously, earlier in the edition, last edition, I played a lot of lists that were pure Moran and Orcs, and all of them had shields. I had an entire line that was defense six and strength four, and it really is good. It's very powerful. If you can maneuver it well, it works very well. I totally, as soon as you said you were putting in a Morgul Knight, I knew exactly that it was probably for the courage, just because having that courage four in a whole army that's courage two or three is very good when you're looking to cover an objective i think my biggest criticism would probably be that you maxed out the moran norks a little bit too much 
I definitely think that you would gain a lot by dropping some of the Miranda Norks or going half and half just to boost your numbers over 30 somewhere. If you start close and you get into combat quickly, having all those extra orcs can be really helpful, especially at 500 points where your opponent, if you're playing a good army with their heroes, may not have that many models and it would really help you push to break them. Mm-hmm. I honestly, if I was, if I had the choice between two moral knights and two ward riders, it's kind of a coin flip. I tend to go for the ward riders just because it gives me the extra 10 or so points to play around with, which in Mordor can do a lot. And yes, honesty bows. I definitely, now at 800 points, I would take six. I've thought recently about putting it up instead to like more like 10, but definitely just a, a small handful of bows. Throw one troop into combat with an enemy hero and then just fire into that combat. And that's something where I find bows and mortar aren't so much for knocking off targets and, you know, killing enemy heroes or depleting their numbers so much as knocking off the occasional soft target, throwing a wrench in your opponent's plans. Like if he tries to surround one of your troops and get a heroic combat and you just fire everything in there and actually hoping to kill your own model to stop that from happening. Aside from that, it's very it has a lot of strength four, obviously, so it's very strong. It has a good six might. Kardish is invaluable, uh, but I would take more orcs as well for what Richard said uh, to drain them for Kardish. So I'd probably give it a hero of valor. So do you, do you think uh, like a frontline of Moranans and then normal orcs behind with spears maybe? And then you can boost the numbers and get some trackers in there maybe? Is that kind of yeah. what you're thinking? Something like that? Yeah, some trackers, or if you are afraid of the defense three, then the extra point to get plus one defense just for some orc bows. So on that note about shooting out your own model, if you have like an Aragorn fighting an orc who wants to roll combat, can you fireball your own models? I don't think so, but I would be very happy if you could. (laughs) So I'm pretty sure you can't. I'm pretty sure it's an enemy target. Yeah, I I figured. Shame. That'd be crazy. I, I just never thought I'd see the day where we're recommending bows to Ian. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? The world has gone topsy-turvy. Oh, my God. No blinding light. No bows. Oh, oh. No blinding light. balls. No bows. What's going on? <laughs> All right. I think that wraps up Ian's list. Uh, let's move on to the other 500-point list by Richard, which is Mordor Alliance. Okay, so I was given the task of putting together an alliance list with Gothmog. The first thing I did was see if I could find a convenient ally that fit Gothmog, but that just that was just too hard at 500 points. So I went for a historical alliance with Suladan. So my list is actually Suladan would be the leader, and he comes with the armored horse, six Haradrim warriors with bows, six serpent riders, and then the second warband would be Gothmog with warg and shield, six Moranin orcs with shield, and eight Moranin orcs with shield and spear. So that's a total of 28 models and six might, and also with uh, a built-in six-inch banner on Suladan. So the idea for this list is... I think it would mostly be a shield wall, 
but then I have the six serpent riders that if it was an objective scenario, that would be plenty of cab and 500 points to kind of spread out and take objectives. If it was a brawl scenario or a combat focused one, I would probably focus on hammer and anvil tactics with the serpent riders. So the Ran and orcs would be holding the line, most likely with the two heroes as well. Um, and then I would have the Serpent Riders ride around and try to hit them from the flanks. Thoughts? I can go first. Um, I think I was initially surprised uh, when I saw the six Serpent Riders. You don't usually see um, so many mounted models at 500 points if you're not taking like an all-mounted list. That is a pretty big threat, though. They're all fight four, and they all have poisoned war spears. And I like how you've also taken advantage of your Serpent Whore bonus by, you know, having 50% bows. And uh, your Hammer and Anvil strategy is a pretty common one because it works really well. And your numbers at 28 is pretty solid. So I, you know, I think it's it's a pretty well-rounded list. You also have that 6-inch banner, which will help your entire army. And it's also a, a banner, not a banner effect. So for scenarios with VPs, you're checked off there. I think that maybe I would find a way to put spears on your six Warriors of Harad with bows, just in case you need that extra support. Maybe take a couple of the spears off of the Moran and Orcs and put them on the Haradrim. But it's very minor, and uh, depending on how you play with archers, they might not even be as uh, like close to your shield wall, so you, I don't know if you necessarily want to do that. But I like the idea of the two big warbands kind of one of them is like your main solid defensive wall and then the other one being the hitting power i'd give this one a hero legend as well so i honestly love the 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 alliance between like with the the serpent horde you know of course first thing i have to mention you have your honesty bows six bows nice love it but yeah i was kind of when i first looked at it i was like oh okay you know it's it's all right. You know, he's got 12 guys with Suldan. Gothmog's got a decent chunk of dudes. But it's nothing too crazy. And then I realized, oh, it's six serpent riders. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and then I think, unless I'm wrong, I think, yeah, Gothmog has Marsh and so does Suldan. So combine that with eight mounted models, you have a really, really maneuverable army there. And it can hit super hard. Like Charles was saying, you've got the Poison Lances on the Serpent Riders, which are Fight 4, which is nice to have in a kind of Mordor-themed list, getting Fight 4 in there. And then you have Gothmog with his Orcs, who you can buff against, well, normally, and then against men, they go crazy. So it's, that's a really good combo. I think it's going to hit really hard. Your defense on the army isn't great, but I mean, it's just because of the Harad stuff, but because a lot of them can skirmish around, if they avoid being shot out, I think you'll be fine. The biggest concern I have with this is Courage. I think you'll be okay if you break, because both Suladan and Gothmog are Courage 5. And I think Suladan has a 12-inch Standfast, right? Yeah, she does. Yeah, so that's that's pretty good. But if you come up against an army that has Courage shenanigans, like if they have a Kyrdan in there or an Army of the Dead or something like that, or yeah, like anything like that, you're going to... You're gonna come and run into a lot of trouble, right? Just because your your troops are all courage two or three. Yeah. Um, so other than that, I really like the list. I think that kind of depends on what meta you're playing, and I think locally we have a lot of people who do current shenanigans, and that might just be also because Army of the Dead is pop more popular than it used to be now because of the uh, the starter set. 
So I think I'm going to have to go with Valor just because of the courage. It's, it's, uh, it's concerning me a little bit. But, I mean, you know, if you up this to 600 points, throw in uh, Cardouche, and I think, oof, oof, <laughs> gross. Cardouche and everything. Yeah. It's, just so, it's just so good. I don't know. It's a silly profile. He's first points. <laughs> it, I think if you up anything to include Cardouche, it's just automatically better. <laughs> Nothing else matters at that point, so long as you have Cardish. Like, like it's basically salt and pepper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I have if I have no models left, but I have Cardish, moral victory. <laughs> I look at the army list and I'm really pleased with it. I again, like Ian, I worry a little bit about the defense mostly because of the Haradrim, but I think that's a risk you have to take with anything that you're going to ally with that particular army list. That's just cost of putting together that alliance. Of course, you have two very big meaty heroes, which is really strong, especially at 500 points. At that rate, you have two three-might heroes. You get Suladan's six-inch banner, and that affects all friendly models, right? That's not just Haradrim. Yeah. It's a normal banner. It's yeah. crazy good. So it's a, it's a six-inch banner. That by itself is worth 50 points. And then you obviously, you fill a lot of the gaps that a, a pure Mordor list might lack. You have the Fight 4, which is tougher to come by in a pure Mordor list. Of course, you have your Black Numenorians, but you've not just got Courage 4, you've got them mounted with Poison and War Spears. That's, that scares me, because it's very capable. It's something that when you hear that you're playing against Mordor, you're like, oh, okay, Fight 3, Warg Riders, or very expensive Morgul Knights. So to find out that your opponent has a very mobile unit that has Poison, it has Fight 4, you can charge them in by themselves. You can use them purely as a psychological terror. So I, I like that a lot. I'd say, as, aside from obviously the, the low, and again, the low courage too, if you break and Suladan and Gothmog get charged first, you might have some issues. But if you get them into combat or you can protect them well enough, they're, it's a pretty strong list and you really make up for each army's deficiencies or issues that you might come across normally in a pure list. So I'd probably give it a Hero of Valor. All right, so the next list we're going to move on to is my list, which is 800 points, uh, Convenient Ally. Now, I really wanted to take Suladan because of how good Suladan is as an ally, but I wanted to take something that's different, so I kind of went a little bit crazy in my alliance pick. It is a Mordor and a Far Harad alliance. So in Mordor, we have the leader, who is Gothmog with shield and warg. In his warband, I have one Moran and orc with banner, shield, and spear, four black Numenorians, four Moran and orcs with shields, and six Moran and orcs with spears and shields. Then I have Gurits with three black Numenorians, three Moran and orcs with shield, six Moran and orcs with spear and shield. And then I have a Mahud king with war spear, Camel and Blowpipe, two Mahut Raiders with Shield, War Spear and Blowpipe, two Half Trolls, and a second Mahud King with War Spear and Camel, one Mahud Raider with Shield, War Spear and Blowpipe, and two Half Trolls. So the list has 10 Might, 38 models, and I would say 
the general strategy behind this list is positioning. So with Guritz, I can ensure that my warbands in Maelstrom and battle scenarios, they deploy where I want them to most of the time. Cool thing about Guritz is his special rule applies to all armies, not just Mordor. And some people might not know that uh, because Madrill only affects mm-hmm. Minas Tirith warbands. I didn't know that. Um, oh. Yeah, so it's really oh, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, so that helps the Mahood King uh, because I know both of my Farharad warbands are very small, so it's important for them to start where you know in ideal places. And so the strategy is to kind of use Gothmog and Guritz might as well as the Master of Battle to try to keep priority for as many turns as possible and let the Mahood Kings and their warbands do the killing. Um, so the Mahood Kings and three raiders all have impact hits on their camels. They all have war spears and they're all strength five. Uh, well, the Mahood raiders are strength four, but. I have two strength five mounted models and four half trolls that are all strength five. And the idea is to use them to hit the enemy on the sides uh, and have the Mordor army in the center and use the Farharad warbands as flanking uh, uh, warbands. In my Mordor warbands, I have Black Numenorians with terror, which is uh, good for a defensive line. It forces your enemies to test courage before charging them and it doesn't necessarily focus around an orc horde, so I won't get the most out of Gothmog, but, you know, the master battle, I think, would definitely help the Mahood Kings. Mm. Well, I mean, I think all, all three of us have played against your your Mahood and Harad lists a ton of times. You know, we all know yeah, what the yeah. camels <laughs> and half-trolls can do. They're, they're absolutely disgusting, and the kings are fantastic fantastic with like when mounted with the war spear like it's it's crazy there's like two mini danes running around just causing havoc um oh man this list is just it's gonna hit so hard i'm i'm concerned about oh i was concerned about your courage and i still am because i think almost all of your troops are courage too other than but the you black do Numenorians. have the seven black numenorians in there yeah, I, I was going to say it'd be nice if you had something in there, but you do have the Numenorians, you know, and you get the Numenorians in, you can throw them with their Marinans to the hind, because a lot of them have spear and shields. <sighs> so even if you come up against, like, a, an army that has, you know, a Aura of Dismay or a Terror Wall, I think you can get enough in there. It's too bad you don't get your Mahood army bonus. That would be, like, oof, that would be really That's good. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but even then, you can still get the Numenorians in there. You can still get Gothmog and the Two Kings in there pretty reliably. So it's that's not a huge issue. You still get most of your battle line in. Yeah, you know, I was going to say Valor, but yeah, I think I'm going to go Legend. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go Legend because you've got the Ten Might in there and the Master of Battle and the Gurts. Yeah, no. The, yeah, yeah, Legend. I'm going to go with Legend. It's It makes up for it just enough. If you didn't have the Numenorians, it wouldn't be, but yeah, that's enough to make up for it. You can still get a decent amount of your line in there if you go up against Courage shenanigans. I mean, no shooting, so maybe I should take it back down, besides the blowpipes. <laughs> but you've got the yeah. March. you got Gurits so, and Gothmug can March. Yeah, no, it's Legend. I, I it's, gotta... really, it's really dependent on my uh, three Heroic Strike heroes to do but, the work. 
even then you still have the four half trolls. Like those are mini captains that can walk around. They can go up against any, oh, I mean, any hero that's you know 90 points or less, 100 points or less, and they can they can tie them up and give them a good go run for their money. You've got four of them. Yeah. I, yeah. I yeah. No, I'm gonna say legend. I'm gonna stick with that. So I guess my first question is, Gothmog is your leader and not one of the kings? I thought about which one to put as a leader, and uh, in the end, I think Gothmog might be the better choice uh, for two reasons. One is he's slightly more survivable. He has one higher defense and one more wound. And the second reason is I probably want Gothmog a little bit more in the back in order to get the most out of his master of battle. So I might rely on throwing the Mahood King in more dangerous spots since I'm using them to kill. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I totally agree with that assessment. I think you made the right choice with Gothmog having the auras, him also having heroic defense, and then the Mahood Kings are just absolute murderers. So... Um, yeah, definitely throw them in and then kill as much as you can. So I actually really like this list, too. I think, um, same as Ian voiced, originally I would say Courage because you lose the Far Harad army bonus. So I would be slightly worried about that. Yes, you do have four Black Numenorians, but... Seven. Seven. Oh, you do have seven, yes, in both Warbands. But I guess, I guess yeah, that, that kind of helps a little bit. But if you break, I know the you're you're going to be relying on Gothmog's uh, stand fast mostly because the kings will only have one will apiece as well. They have two will. Oh, they have two will. Yeah, but Gothmog has three, so slightly better. Okay. okay. So I think I think yeah, you would you would manage in that area. I guess it would be maybe a slight weakness, but I definitely like your maneuverability. And also the hitting power is ridiculous. Just that front line of, uh, front terror line too of half trolls and black Numenorians and then Moran and orcs strength four supporting in the back. Yeah, I think, I think this is like hard to say between uh, Valor and a Legend, but I think I would lean a little bit towards Legend because I definitely see podium level potential here. It's like a soft. Oh wait, no, you do have a banner in there. I was gonna say if you didn't. Okay, never mind. Yeah, no, I'm a solid legend. I was gonna say if you didn't have the banner, I didn't realize you had the banner. Yeah, no, no. Never mind. I'm comfortable with my answer. I I forgot to say in before Charles with his half trolls and <laughs> yeah, because the half trolls before I even get started on the actual the composition. First of all, Gothmog obviously. You say two Mahood kings. That's right. On war camels with yep. their crazy uh, massive spear hook teeth things that are armored <laughs> to the front of them and have essentially like turned an entire line of orcs into shish kebabs. Uh, Those ones the exactly. That, that you've played against me where we actually have to model like the orcs onto the front of the mount <laughs> because they're stuck there. Yeah, it's it's a pretty scary list. I, I, I like that you actually that you kept Gothmog as your general because like you said, the Mahood Kings can go out and do some some terrible things to an opponent an opponent's battle line. So being able to kind of throw them out and say, 
in most scenarios, they aren't worth victory points. So you can go in and use them as offensively as you like, as well as obviously to have that added mobility of not always having Gothmog plugged into combat so that you're able to move him around and keep that master of battle bubble where you want it is very useful. As with all the lists, really, that we've put together this week, courage is a weakness. You do have the seven Black Numenorians for their courage for us, so I, I do like that. Obviously, having that and having that, those seven models that can cause terror can be very useful in keeping your opponent kind of staggered in their approach against your line. So it allows you a little bit more space and a little bit more breathing room in terms of where you're fighting and what you're doing. Again, a very scary list. I've seen what half trolls can do. I've literally had to bring fight six dwarf heroes in order to take them down. I can't remember exactly. A half troll is 23 points. That's right. 23 points. And I've had to bring... 100 points in Dwarf Hero to stop them. That shows you what's necessary. Because they're, they're two wounds, they're defense six. Yeah, fight they're five. Fight five. Yeah, they're 23-point captains with no might. They just walk in, and they're just little bulldozers. Um, they're what I wish Iron Guard were. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we can only dream. Dwarf <laughs> players. Again, as is usually the case with armies that you build, you and Charles and Ian, all of you, is a well-rounded list. I would say you kind of lack those, even a, like a small number of them to a certain extent. But like you said, your strategy really is movement and board control. Just getting a play test with a list recently that has Gurrits in it, I've obviously taken Gurrits a lot, but just recently to refresh my memory just how good his special rule is for deployment and for getting board positioning and getting the control that you want in those situations, plus having the march ability and the master of battle, the mobility of your mounted models. It's a really scary list. I'm, I'm probably going to give it a, yeah, Hero of Legend. I think at this point, it's pretty unanimous. Okay. Let's move on to the final list, which is Alexander's list. 800 points of Mordor in the Army of Gothmog Legion. Alex, why don't you run through your list and uh, give us your general battle plan? All right. I have uh, Gothmog fully kitted out with two Renorks with shield, two with shield and spear, three Orc Warriors with shields, seven Orc Warriors with spears, and one Orc Warrior with a banner and a shield. Goroth, four Orc Warriors with shield, four with spear, two Moran Norks with shields, two with shield and spear, Gurrits, three Orc Warriors with shield, three with spears, three Moran Norks with shields, three with shield and spear, Zagdush, two Orc Warriors with shields, two with spear, three Moran Norks with shields, three with shield and spear, and a Mordor Orc Shaman, six Orc Bows, which comes out to... 13 might points, 60 models, 31 break count. Whoa, 60 models. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> uh, general um, strategy is, again, Charles, kind of like yours, with Gurrits, board control, being able to march, because I do have that with 
Guritz and with Gothmog. I also have Striking Ability with Gothmog, Goroth, and Zagdush. Fury to make up for the obvious low courage of Orc Warriors. And then just essentially getting into combat, getting the traps in, calling the expanded Time of the Orc with Gothmog because I'm using the Legion. So that would be a battlefield-wide effect as well as being able to have that heroic strike uh, situationally an expanded 12-inch bubble on the Hatred of Men special rule there. So really, it's, it's a very much getting into combat positioning. It's not a very complex strategy. It's more of a get in and wound. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised. I thought you were going to go for the Mordor Troll with the drum, honestly, because I think that's you, you played around with that a lot, so I thought that's where it was going to go. I don't know if you need it, though, because you do have the three heroes who can strike. They are kind of low fight value, so that is a little bit, you know, weary if you come up against a couple of, like, really big hitters, like, I don't know, like an Alendil and a Gilgalad. You're going to struggle to stop that kind of, like, big punching power. Oh, but still, you have Goroth, and you can just feed the Morks. <laughs> so, I like it. I like the Horde. On paper, and when like when you read out this army list, it looks absolutely terrifying. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm leaning towards Valor for it, just because I have seen it play a lot of times. And I don't know why. It just never performs quite the way I think it's going to. And I, yeah, I've some played it a ton of times, too. And it just, yeah, it never is quite there. I don't know. Well, that's what I find. I find that there are certain weaknesses with the Legion, so obviously this week I was tasked with making a 800-point Gothmog's Legion list, but obviously the lack of the lack of mobility with not being able to bring any cavalry in the list is an obvious weakness. So is the lack of a spellcaster. The lack of magic in that list is often what I find really does me damage, because a lot of the times when I get into that kind of combat, I want to be able to do things like compel a troop out of my opponent's front line in order to surround him and surprise him with a strike when he thinks I'm out of range, or to transfix a big enemy hero to keep them at bay, and not being able to do that, or to be able to strike off the corners with uh, cavalry, is really, I think, the two most glaring points where any Gothmog's Legion list really falls off, and I think that's probably why you see the struggle the way you do. As big as the list is, as many models as I have, in the end, when you come up against really big, powerful heroes or really elite troops, it can be very difficult to win that battle, especially against, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Let's pick one out of Thin Era for no reason whatsoever, Spider Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all, because I've played it recently and it absolutely <coughs> never started so I really like the 60 model count here. And I think this is pretty much the best Gothmog's Legion list I could probably think of. So probably I can't even see anything I would change here. But I think the only issues are what Alex just listed. It's just to do with the nature of the list. No magic, no cav. And honestly, I prefer the mortar army bonus to even the legions bonus so it's just hard for me to give a legend ranking even though i think alex probably did the best job he could for this legion so maximum points but unfortunately still valor for me yeah so 
I agree with everything said so far. I think this Legion really pigeonholes you into building like an Orc Horde. I think that what you've done is you built an Orc Horde as as well as possible. I think you've made all the right hero choices. At 60 models, you can swarm pretty much most armies in the game. You know, if I was to play this Legion, I would probably include a, a Catapult just because um, I, I'd like to have the option to sit back and uh, shoot at certain targets since I don't have the mobility to get to those targets. You know, I don't really have any suggestions to what you have in an Orc Horde. I think you've had a good, solid amount of Defense 6. You have some cheaper Orcs to flesh out the numbers. I think maybe one change I would make is I would max out Gothmog's Warband. Since he's a hero legend in the Legion, you want as many Orcs as possible in his Warband. Since um, he has all the bonuses, he has all the special rules, and you want to guarantee as many models benefit from that as possible. So I'd probably increase his warband by three orcs. Other than that, yeah, I think um, it's it's the best version of an orc horde that it, you know if that's what you want to play. And hero of valor for me. Mm-hmm. I like what you said is a good point, Charles. You know, if you want to put in the catapult or even a troll, like it rounds out the list better. But I think the drop in numbers would still make it valor for me. Still, that's a, but you know uh, that that might be more personal preference, I guess. Okay, so I guess this week I have the winning list with three Hero of Legend ratings from you guys. Alright, that was our discussion on Gothmog. And now on to our next segment. to our open topic of today. In this episode, we will be discussing the underrated heroes of the game. Each of us have brought three different heroes to share, and we'll be giving them in a certain order from who we think is underrated to the most underrated. And so uh, first, I think we should go over what you guys think underrated means or represents in the game. It's a hero that that's that's good, and you, you kind of look at a profile, and you're like, oh, I really like this, I really like that, I really like that, that's awesome. And then you look at all the armies that people take with it, and you don't really see it that much. I think it might just be usually a thing of the function of the army that they're in. Like, if you had this certain profile in another list, you'd be like, oh, I'd take that every time. But it's overshadowed by other things. The armies of the Lord of the Rings book, over the course of the last week, trying to come up with the heroes that I wanted to include... I found it difficult, maybe because I'm so used to seeing such a good mix of different heroes. I ended up picking two from Mordor. Just army lists that are really deep in their hero selection, so that you look at the obvious choices, and then you look at a couple choices a little bit further down the line. Not even that much further down, sometimes only a couple of spots down the list, the depth chart really. Sometimes I've just looked at it and said, I wish I saw that character in games more for no real particular reason other than I don't ever see it in games. All right, so um, each of us are going to present three heroes, and we kind of tried not to overlap, so we have a solid variety. Ian, why don't you go first? Sure, okay. So kind of in order from the heroes that I picked. So I guess in my number three spot, I have Gone Berry Gone. 
the reason I put him here, I think I'm a little bit biased from last edition when he and the Wozes were just so underpriced. They were just so good to ally into anything. So I'm a little bit biased from that, I think. It's a little bit weird not seeing him in a lot of uh, lists anymore. But I still think he has a good like a, a good spot that he can fill in just because, like uh, Richard mentioned earlier in the podcast, the February FAQ means that if you want to have any yellow alliances and stuff like that, it needs to be a hero of valor. So I look at Gon and I go, okay, he's a hero of valor. He's not too expensive and he can bring March. He has heroic March. And I often struggle to get March into my lists because, you know, I, I guess, you know, like I said before, I play a lot of elven lists and elven heroes don't typically have that. So I really like the idea of using Gon to ally in. I do think there's a reason we don't see him as much locally just because we don't do a lot of good versus evil. So obviously in a good versus evil environment, he's going to shine with all those plus ones wounds and the, and the woes. But I do think he still has a place, you know, dropping in a little micro warband of cheap-ish spears, but they have like nice little bonuses on them with uh, the march. I think he can bring, you know, a, a, add a decent enough things to a list that he should be taking more, in my opinion, if you're doing weird alliance lists. I don't know how Richard feels about that. He's the other guy here who probably does a lot of weird alliance lists like I do. So, In my number two spot, I have Ugluk. So when I was picking out my list, I usually play a lot of good lists. So that's where I was gradually tending when I was looking through the profiles. So I made myself pick an evil hero, but I'm pretty happy with this selection. You know, I would have tended towards saying Thryden, actually before Warren Rohan came out, but now that he has the Legendary Legion, I think Thryden is great, and I think people will actually start playing him a lot more, because he is a really good profile, and I never understood why he wasn't being taken, but he's coming out a lot more now. So yeah, Ugluk, I mean, he did get a Legendary Legion too, but that Legion is... Eh, he's forced to be your leader in it, which isn't great for a two-wound, one-fate model, so maybe it's good at lower points. But anyway, but his strong points are, you know, he's fight five and he's strength five, on a 65-point model, which is really handy to have, and he brings Strike and March. And that's just, like, that's a really good combo of abilities. You know, three might, both of those heroic actions for 65 points is super handy, and I think if he was in any other list, I think he'd be taken a lot more. He also has that really nifty Courage buff where he his, he kills an orc or a nearby model and he goes to 12-inch standfast that affects heroes. So, you know, if he makes it to the end game, I think he's super useful to have around. I do think he was hurt a little bit with the, the February FAQ, because he's only Fortitude, so you can't really just throw him in, ally him into another like evil alliance list. I mean, in, if you did want to do that, you could probably just go for Lurts, because he also has Strike and March. But even in pure Isengard lists, I don't really understand why he gets overshadowed by Maher and Vrashku so much. I think he, I still think he has a good spot, and I, I would like to see him more. And then, yeah, in my number one spot, I have Thrain. Not Thrain the Broken, Bring the the fully smashy smashy guy from Erebor. I love this profile. When I think you know, dwarf hero or dwarf hero profile, and I look at his, I I think it's like it's a match made in heaven. He's got threes in all the right places. Defense eight. He's got the master forged hammer. He has basically I think a battlefield wide standfast for dwarves, which is awesome. And then you know a cool priority reroll, and yet. Whenever I see Erebor lists around, I don't see him. I see people taking um, Dwalin or Thorin, like the younger versions of their profiles, which I, I think that's just because people like look at their Champions of Erebor or their Thorin's Company profiles, and they go, oh, those are so great, let's take the younger version. But they're not as good, you know? And I just, 
I don't know. I don't get why Thrain isn't in more people's lists. I love him. Uh, I don't know. Thoughts? I'll start with Ugluck, just because I think I have the most experience with him of the three. He is very good, and I think now in the new edition, having only certain heroes, having Heroic Strike, he very much does have his spot now. I think the thing with Ugluck that definitely scares me off him a bit is just the fact that he is two wounds, one fate, defense five. Mm. So you get him into combat, and he can be very good with his three might and his fight five and his strength five, but he is rather fragile. I'd say it's pretty good, but I couldn't definitely understand why he gets left off just because of that kind of glass cannon type profile that he's got there with a the low defense. I think I would uh, talk more about the rain. I think I definitely agree with you 100%. My only thing is I feel like he might be underused only because not a lot of people play that list in general. But I agree with you that he might actually be my favorite hero in that list. Because I believe if you don't take Thoror, you also get, do you get like the, the ring for Thorain as well? Mm-hmm. So that's that kind of makes him better. So if it's a smaller game, I know a lot of people tend to go to Thoror because of the defense nine. But Thorain, as your leader, can do some damage as well. So I definitely think he's a great take. And also him being a hero of Valor, allying him to some hobbit army alliances is always a viable strategy so i like that pick yeah if you're not gonna gonna if you're gonna like go for an alliance that's the yellow alliance you lose the army bonus which is centered on thror so yeah. in that case i think i would always go for uh, i would always go for thrain yeah i agree i think gone 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 was underrated last edition because he was such a solid mic caddy but this edition he's 65 points now um I don't think that he's really a cheap Heroic March now you can ally in. Most lists that have Heroic March usually would have a better option, but like you said, if you're taking an Elven army, I'd probably still prefer to get an Elf Captain. I think that's the only one that I might not think is underappreciated, but Ugluck and Thrain, definitely. Richard, do you want to go through your heroes? Uh, Sure. So the first one that I selected was Irolos, Captain of the Guard, so one of the new Minas Tirith heroes from the supplement Gondor at War. So at 65 points, he has fight 5, d6, 2 attack, 2 wounds, 3 might, 1 will, 1 fate. So he has a solid stat line, particularly looking at the fight 5 and 3 might, and the heroic abilities that he has is heroic march and heroic defense. And he also has bodyguard special rule. And then he also has another special rule where he can choose to shield. And if he wins the fight, he can still strike with one strength four dice. So I think he fills a pretty good niche with his three might heroic defense and special rule where he can still strike while shielding, essentially. He's just a really good hero for tar pitting, like a big Mm. enemy hero like LSR or... Captain of the White Tower or something like that. So I think he's extremely efficient. And then you add in the march. I don't really see why you would take any captains over him. So I think he's a really strong addition to any Minas Tirith list. I would say my second hero would be the Mouth of Sauron. So I definitely see this guy once in a while, but he's personally one of my favorite heroes for Mordor. He's also a hero of Valor. 
but he was really upgraded in this edition. So at 70 points, you also get the fight five, you get captain level stats, and then he has two might, four will, and one fate. He has a hand and a half sword, armored horse, and then his heroic actions are heroic march and channeling. He also has terror, and his magical spells are drain courage, transfix, and instill fear. So I just find he's a very well-rounded hero in Mordor as a good support caster, but then also with the fight five and two attacks on horse, he can do some damage in combat too. So my number one pick, I would say, would be the Goblin Mercenary Captain. Essentially, there's nothing really special about his regular stat line, but the main thing is that he can lead a bunch of Goblin Mercenaries and they all have the special rule where from turn two onwards, they start taking a courage test. And if they fail, opposing player can decide whether they come on the board. But if the test is passed, they can, the controlling player decides whether they stay off the board or not. And once they arrive on the board, they can either deploy in any terrain or if there's no terrain that's eligible, they can arrive on any board edge. So personally, I find in the competitive scene, that special rule is probably one of the strongest in the game because it can just win you a good portion of the objective capturing ones and puts a lot of board pressure. And it's just one of the global effects, one of the only global effects in the strategy battle game. So I think it's just extremely powerful. If I was taking any sort of Hobbit evil army, I would strongly consider trying to ally these in. Um, obviously it's a little harder now with the FAQ, but just taking one warband of them could win you many games. I think overall I agree with all, all three of these being underappreciated. Eurolos, I played against one at Nova and he held up LSR with Anduril for two turns before going down. So I definitely think that he is really, he's really resilient and he can take on a hero three times his points for multiple turns. Mouth of Sauron, really big fan of this hero. Um, I think he's really one of the best mid-tier in Mordor. Hero Valor allows him to ally in to other lists, and um, him having access to three spells on like a captain-level mounted hero is just really great value for his points. Goblin Mercenary Captain, I was really surprised before the February FAQ. I was surprised that we didn't see the Mercenary Captain more. Uh, but still agree with Richard whenever you can have the option to ally in uh, mercenary captain for sure. He's a great value. I think you've made three great picks because I don't see any of them locally <laughs> uh, very much at all. Before I played your mouth of Sauron, I'd probably only played against it maybe two or three times. A lot of people are still stuck in the mentality of the last edition, where he really wasn't very good and not worth his points. After playing against him in the new edition, he's very much what, I, what I'd like to call like a toolkit hero, because he can both fight, he can march, he can spellcast four will points. So just when you're not expecting it, and you're looking over at a ring wraith, or you're looking at Kardish, He'll transfix one of your heroes and really damage your ability to use one of your flanks. I think he's a really underrated pick just because of the different things that he can bring to a list all at the same time. I think 
Ireless, he fills kind of two roles where he can block up a hero with the heroic defense and his shielding ability, and he brings a march to your list, so I think he's super handy there. I'm pretty sure the only reason he isn't included in a lot of lists is because Madrill is just a more popular model who also brings some handy abilities, you know, the three might in the march. I think that's probably why you don't see him as much, but give it, you know, a year or two and more people buy him, I think you might see him more. But yeah, no, he's definitely a good shout. Mouth of Sauron. I was actually going to include him in my Gothmog list that I did earlier, but he doesn't have the compel. That was the one thing that held me back because I want to combo. I wanted to combo that with Cardush. But I mean, other than that, you know, he he brings a solid hitter. Fight five on the horse. You know, a little bit of magic. All the things that were kind of not made him not so great last edition, they've fixed it up, and he's now he's he's a really good pick now. And you know, he's a hero of uh, valor, right? So he can ally in if you want to do allies. So. It's a good way to do that. And then, yeah, Goblin Mercenary Captains. I think they were kind of popular before the February 2020 FAQ. Just thrown into, like, any evil list if you really want it. So that <laughs> they might be part of the reason why that exists. But, yeah, in any green alliance, like, Azog's Legion is green with Azog's Hunters and the Dark Powers of Dual Guldor. I don't see a reason why you wouldn't throw a warband of the Goblin Mercenary Captain into either of those lists if you're making one of those. It's At least one. So At handy. least one warband. Yeah, it's oh, it's such a handy ability, just having something pop up, you know. Uh, I don't think you mentioned this, but even if, like, your enemy has, like, a major shooting warband that might do a lot of damage to your army, if you're in, like, an Azog Hunter's list, oh, just pop up some goblins behind them, and now they have to deal with that for a few turns, so you're not going to get shot to pieces on your way in. Yeah, they're, they're super handy. They're, they're awesome. All right, so I brought three... My three heroes are all unnamed heroes. Number three we have a Captain of Rohan. So the reason why I picked this hero is the many ways you can build him. And we know that there are many Rohan legions now, now that we have two books out. <laughs> we have four or five of them. You can give them heavy armor, throwing spears. They can take an axe. You know, there's a lot of ways to build them. They have the special rule, Arise, Rise of Thaden. And a lot of people focus on the Riders and the Royal Guard when they think of this rule, and they don't remember that the Captains of Rohan also have them. So when they're mounted on the charge, they have Fight 5, and this is not counted into their points. So if you compare them with a Ministerial Captain, they're basically, if you just break down the cost of the stats, um, they, they get it for free. And if you have the Army bonus as well, you have the option to go up to Strength 6 with the Piercing Strike. So I just think that um, they can hit pretty hard, and they're relatively cheap. My number two is the Black Shield Shaman from the Moria list. I know I don't see this one a lot. I see the Moria Goblin Shaman more. I think this Shaman has a lot going for it. I think everyone knows the main reason you take the Shaman is for the, uh, the Shattered Magical Power, which you can break any war gear that isn't like a mount or the One Ring or Staff of Power on a 3+. I think this might not necessarily be the best spell to cast on a big hero if they can shrug it off with three will, but it can be something that's useful to cast on a hero near, like, let's say the end of the game where they have lower will. If they only have one weapon, you can break their weapon and they become unarmed. Or if they're wearing heavy armor, reduce their defense by two. If they're wearing heavy dwarf armor, reduce their defense by three. There are also several war gear in the game that cost a lot of points. For example, a war drum, a banner, things like that. And those equipment typically are on a non-hero. So with no option to resist, uh, it's essentially on a three up, your opponent loses a 25 point, a 40 point 
the equipment. So I think that's very valuable. And yeah, I'm surprised I don't see as much. Number one is the Gladrum Captain. I've maybe only seen the Gladrum Captain taken once or twice ever. And I think the profile by itself doesn't look very impressive initially. But if you pay a little more attention to it and compare it to a High Elf Captain, he's actually five points cheaper for the exact same stat line. Also, he gets Fleet Foot for free when the High Elf Captain does not have Fleet Foot. So if you put him on a horse, uh, you know, he doesn't have the lance that the high elf captain has, but he, he has a two-handed option. He can still hit pretty hard. He can keep his charge bonus in the woods, and he's five points cheaper. The other thing is, in a Lothlorien list, he's the only mounted hero option. So, you know, if you need a mounted hero, he's definitely a solid. Well, you know, captains of Rohan. I think they're just overshadowed because there's so many other things in Rohan that have March, which is usually what you take captains for. And then, obviously, Rohan has tons of Fight 5 heroes. So, I like their hitting power. I think if you wanted to do something with, like, micro warbands, a couple captains might be a pretty good shout. Other than that, you know, I agree they're underused, but I think there's a reason enough, especially with all the profiles that got released for Rohan recently. I just want to make a quick quick note that I made this list before the recent FAQ. So part of what the reason why I like them is you can spam them out near Gambling's Banner and get extra mic points. Oh, well, yeah, before that, yeah, 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 fair enough, fair enough. Um, Go on. Black Shield Shaman, yeah, I 100% agree. I think it's, yeah, it's, out of the ones you chose, I think I'd probably put him as number one. Like, I just, yeah, he's great, like. Getting rid of banners is, is often so helpful, especially for evil armies. When you want to, when you're lower fight, getting rid of the enemy's banner is just so helpful. And that is like, I'd have never come up against one, but I'm I'm always worried about it, especially if you had somebody like uh, a Boromir or even a Gambling with you know a 40, 50 point banner, <laughs> just boop, it's gone, and you're just ah, yeah. shoot, that's you know a big part of your strategy. Yeah. Um, as for Galadrim captains, you know, like you said, they are the only mounted hero in the list, and they are the only source of march in the list. <sighs> That being said, I just, if they had the 12-inch movement like they used to, I would think, I would be like, yeah, 100% love them. Lothlorien is a green ally with Rivendell, and I think I'd just rather have the Rivendell captain with the lance <laughs> to have the extra hitting power. That's a personal preference, but yeah, I don't know. I know Richard likes the uh, the fleet foot. I, I, it's so conditional. I think the lance ends up, will do you more favors. Yeah, I mean... Not really much to add here, I would, except the Gladrum Captain. Yeah, I think definitely a bit underused. And does does he not have the armored horse as well? He does. He, he does. He has the armored horse. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's another a, that's advantage. That's a good show. Yeah, that's a good show. Uh, over the Rivendell Captain counterpart, but yeah, I, some dirty shenanigans with the Black Shield Shaman. Yeah, I like it. I like the Black Shield Shaman. I think really the Black Shield Shaman would have to be a secondary or like a third spellcaster in order to have something that whittles away the will points of your opponents in order to shatter the war gear unless of course you want to use it on a soft target like a banner where you could do it with no resistance i remember it once shattering my dwarf captain's war gear before my dwarf captain had to defeat some goblins with his bare hands (laughs) Uh, strangling fingers yeah the other ones obviously i like I like Fleetfoot. It's kind of a toss-up, and I'd still kind of prefer the Rivendell Captain in the end, just because I think the Lance is a lot more applicable than Fleetfoot is. 
obviously very good if you're going to supply somebody through difficult terrain, but the lance you'll get to use in every game and every scenario. I just want to touch up on uh, something Alexander said about the Black Shield Shaman, how like if you don't have multiple casters, then it might be hard to whittle down the enemy's will. The Black Shield Shaman has a second spell, which is Tremor. I guess that's kind of the last resort if you don't have any good targets to cast on. You can you can cast Tremor, which deals a line, a D6-inch line of strength 6 hits, which is kind of a coin toss, but it can do some significant damage. Yeah, I think I think people forget about that spell, too. Everyone's used to having a Shaman that has Fury and Transfix. The end. Right. So I, I definitely think that Shatter gets all the attention because it goes off on a 3. Tremor, I think, is a 5. That's right. Alex, let's go over your three heroes. Okay, so in third, I picked Murren and Drar, just because I find them kind of like the unheard of elvish twins. They bring a lot of different tools to the game. One of them has expert shot, heroic accuracy. They're both three might heroes. They just, they bring a lot of tool sets. And I just, I think they're really cool models and characters. I know that they're only convenient allies with most things, and a lot of people want to keep their army bonuses, so they don't want to do that. There are other options. There's a Fellowship Boromir that would fit better into a lot of things that would bring Six Might, so I can understand why it's not there. I just think it's a cool option with a lot of different little aspects that it can bring to an army that I think maybe we could see more of. Uh, Second is a pick that I used to really like in the last edition, and that's Captain of the Black Guard. Urukai Captain in Mordor, because he is Fight 5, Strength 5, Defense 7. And his special rule is that if you have a Ring Wraith on the board, which in most strong number of Mordor lists, you will have at least one Ring Wraith, he gets Courage 6, so long as the Ring Wraith is on the board. So it's not based within a certain range. Obviously very helpful when you're trying to keep regular Orcs and Courage 2 and 3 and even Courage 4 things on the board. He's sturdy with his defense seven. He's got heroic march. So I think he's very useful and just is kind of underappreciated because of all of the strong options that come up in the Mordor list. And finally, I've got Dark Marshal, uh, just because while he's not the Witch King of Angmar, he's not the same spellcaster as the Undying. He's still a pretty decent spellcaster. If you put him on a horse, he's got the fight six, so he can hold up against even Elvish troops. He does spellcasting relatively well. And also, in a mortar list, where oftentimes you're so focused on numbers and getting a lot of orcs in, for a will a turn, you can have a six-inch banner, which, in Mordor, I just think that's really invaluable. And I'm just kind of surprised that, from a combat support standpoint, that you don't see Dark Marshal quite as much. Yeah, so I think Murin and Drar... Uh... Alex kind of touched on this. One of them has extra shot. The other one actually has heroic strike. So that's definitely a, a good pairing for 140 points. So I like that. Captain of the Blackguard. Yeah, I think he's a solid captain choice. But yeah, just too many heroes and mortar around that range where you probably would take over this guy. Dark Marshall as well. He seems solid on paper. I've actually never played with him. But just going by the named wraiths, it seems like there's just too many ahead of the food chain on him. Like, I mean, the Witch King is amazing, Shadow Lord, the Undying, and then if you're playing the Serpent Horde, the Betrayer, 
I, I feel like all those kind of automatically rank ahead of him, maybe even Kamul. I think he has a nice role, but I think unfortunately it's just there's just too many other good ring rates that rank ahead of him, in my opinion. Yeah. I think with the Dark Marshall, I, I'm just looking at his profile now. I think his, he's kind of like the Wraith. If you want to fill multiple roles with him, if you want him to be like a bit of a combat guy, you can put him on the Fell Beast. And I think that's the way you would want to run him because he has the fight six. So he can kind of bulg or pick at uh, smaller heroes who don't have strike or, or who are only fight five. And he can also do his casting because he's got the average uh, casting values for a ring Wraith. He's not worse like some of them are that are fighty. And then combined with his little banner ability... It's too bad it only affects warriors. If it affected all models, I think you'd see them a lot more. But because it's only warriors, it's just... And it costs a will point, you know. It's not the best. But I think if you want a ring rate that can fill a lot of roles, if you're kind of strapped for points, I actually think he's a, he's a good shout. You know, he brings a lot to the table. He's not great at any of them. But there is, you know, I think he, he has a, a place in some lists. Yeah, probably lower points games where you're kind of strapped for points. As for the Captain of the Black Guard, I mean, it's the same kind of thing. If you're looking for a smaller hero that can bring March and lower points games and hold up big heroes, I think he's perfect. Other than that, I think he gets outshined by the other options in the list. As for Murn and Drawer, I, oh, I don't think you mentioned this, but they are in the Iron Hills list. So I think they add a lot to that list because they do add the only other striking capability in a pure Iron Hills list, which is very handy to have. The biggest issue with that is that they're kind of outshined by the other things in that list. Because when you take that, you know, their basic troops are super expensive, 12 points. So you're going to take Dane, you're going to max out his warband. Then you're probably going to want to go for a captain just because the captain can get uh, mounted and have a lance, which is really good. And then maybe you'll want to go for like a chariot or ballista and then most of your points are gone, so you don't really see them. And even if you don't go that route, if you you know do some Iron Hills and then you want to look into allies, there are other allies that they can take You know, with Lake Town or with Thranduil's Halls that just can bring the strike, and they can do it a little bit better than these guys can. That being said, you know they are, what, 140 points, and they bring six might to the table. That's pretty handy. And I think you could build a really good uh, pure Iron Hills list with them, with like Dane and them at 600, I think that, and just max out warriors and, you know, uh, goat riders. I think you could do pretty well with that. That'd be pretty competitive. Final note is just wise draw four plus shoot value. I, it's, it's just annoyed me last edition. I thought they were going to fix it and they had the chance. They didn't. And I just, I don't get it. <laughs> he, should next be shot, he should he's be next three. He should be three. He's not like, he's not that good. <laughs> you can shoot fast, but he's not very accurate. Uh, it's kind of like the the Mordor siege bow has the accurate rule, but it hits on a five. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Errol's a hero hero of legend, quote in quotations, but he's actually Those small things like that. Yeah, I don't know. I think Alexander's picks um, they're all kind of you don't see them as much for a reason to a certain extent. Like Mormon and Jar, they can do pretty well in Iron Hills at small points, but. Like Ian said, you could take a mounted captain instead, you know, and then it becomes a choice of do I want six might or do I want like a, a mounted captain and more models. Captain of the Black Guard, he seems solid for the courage buff, but in Mordor, if you wanted a hero with high courage, you would use a ring wraith or even a Black Numenorian Marshal. He's not as common as um, he was in last edition for a reason. He also doesn't have the orc keyword, so he can't benefit from bonuses like for example, like Gothmog. 
but I will give him credit for being probably Mordor's best generic captain. Um, if you compare him with like the generic Mirandin captain, Mordor captain, and Mordor Urukai captain, I think Blackguard is better value than all of those choices. So um, I do think that he is a little bit underappreciated because I see those generic captains more than I see the Blackguard captain. Yeah. And finally, the Dark Marshal. Yeah, I think Richard and Yin have already covered it. He's a, a good middle ground between caster and combat. If his banner affected heroes, I would agree. He would probably move one or two places up in the named Ringwraith tier list. All right, I think uh, that about wraps up this episode. Thank you guys for listening and uh, look forward to the next episode of Into the West. Mm-hmm.